house. Your goodness, Lord, is from generation to generation. And your word says three things will remain forever and ever. Faith, hope, and love. We thank you for your eternal love. And we give you glory. Come on, can you give God glory? Can you give him a hand clap? Can you give him a praise? We welcome those that are watching us online. Join us in praising and worshiping that love of God is for you as well. Amen, amen. What do you tell your neighbor so good that you're in the house of God today? Well, Apostle, how many know that Apostle went to Bolivia? It was a very powerful service. Service says, thank you for praying. Over 1,500 miracles happened. And I can't wait till they tell us the whole story. Amen. Now, um, I see a few other people also went to Bolivia. We hope they come back as well next week. You know, there is one thing when we're, when we're young, when our children are young and we have to go, we have to travel. Maybe for business, you have to travel. For ministry, we have to travel. They don't quite understand. And they want you to stay. And I know we want that. I want apostle to stay in the house. But as you grow into maturity... You understand that there's purposes of God. That there's reasons you have to go other place. There's reasons there has to be a sacrifice. So the people that mature can understand that. And then when he comes back, I remember when I go on a trip, when I come back, there's going to be something happening in my house. We're going to celebrate. We're going to spend time together. We're going to go on vacation. We're going to hear what God did. So when he comes next week, there's a lot that he's going to tell us about what God did in Bolivia. And those that are mature... Come to the house. Those that are mature, stay in the house. Now, let me see if anybody stands up and walks away. Look to your left, look to your right. Help me out, help me out. So, as you know, Apostles in Bolivia has been a very powerful uh, supernatural encounter. We have been expecting God to do great things. And uh, thank you. Why? Because of your prayer of your giving, the nets coming together, praying 24 hours, praying continually that these things happen. Let me tell you, in your account in heaven, there has been a deposit, a deposit of souls of people you've never met, a deposit of deliverance of people that you might not even speak their own language. But when you get to heaven one day, they're going to say, were you in King Jesus? Were you one of the ones praying? Were you one of the ones giving an offering? I am here today because of what you did. When we get to heaven, you're going to find out everything that what you have done in the kingdom, it's, it's effect, it's eternal effect. So I'm very grateful to be here. Apostle has asked me to share the word today with you. But this is a word for maturity, for mature Christians. And in fact, if you were to ask me, I would tell you this is one of the keys for, that, that differentiates a Christian that is just growing to one that is already mature. Once you have this area under control, you have reached a level of maturity that will sustain you for the rest of your life. And today, uh, I thank Apostle for the opportunity. We honor him and we honor the people of God that are here. I thank the leadership that's also here to help us today because we're here to help to minister to you. And to those online, get ready because God is going to help you jump to a new level of maturity. So today we're going to speak about deliverance in the mind. Deliverance in the mind. And I want to begin with Ephesians 6.12. Everybody say deliverance in the mind. This month we've been speaking about deliverance. Apostle has brought the message of deliverance. And uh, we spoke, uh, Pastor Hubert actually spoke here a few, two weeks ago about knowing how to die to self in order to maintain your deliverance, about living in holiness. A lot of people want to be delivered, but they don't want to align themselves to the kingdom of God. And so as a result, they keep falling back, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So that's also a message of maturity. Apostle preached about being delivered from bitterness. And today we're going to speak about the deliverance in the mind. So I want to see Ephesians 6.12, you can put it up, because it says, Do we wrestle not against principalities or powers? And it speaks about who we wrestle with, rulers of darkness, we, uh, uh, prince, prince of, of the air. It speak, could you put the verse up, please? Ephesians 6. Go ahead. It's, there we go. For we wrestle not against what? But against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the, the foundation to this is for you to understand 
that we are not struggling. Wrestling is a struggle. It's hand-to-hand combat. You are not struggling with flesh and blood. What does that mean? With a human being. Your struggle is not against people. Your struggle is not against persons, but actually it's against a demonic kingdom, which most likely if there's a problem with a person, that demonic kingdom is influencing that person. So for them to bring trouble, for them to bring things that are bad to your life or here on earth in general. So we see that this is a spiritual warfare. Now, when we see who is on top, we see that, that we have in, in this hierarchy, we have a satanic hierarchy that is influencing all of the earth. Now, this warfare has been going on and continues to be going on to this very day, and we are a part of it, whether you know it or not. When I was a new Christian, I didn't know I was a part of spiritual warfare. I just wanted to praise God, worship God. But every time that the enemy had an opportunity, he would bring some attack against my life. Until I finally learned how to defend myself. I had to figure it out. But thank God you are in a house that you don't have to figure it out. And you're in a house where there is training. Where you can learn the word of God and you can stand in the truth. And that truth is the one that makes you free. That truth makes you stand. When the enemy comes against you and tells you a lie, you come out to him with the truth. And he must go. So now, there is this warfare going on. What is the status of this war? Because you need to understand, where are we in relation to this war? I mean, is it an even war? Is it a war that we might be losing? Or is it a war that that we might be winning? What is the status? I want you to see Hebrews 2.14 so that you can see what is the status of this warfare. It says, for as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood. In other words, we are made of flesh and blood. It says, he, speaking about Jesus... Also himself likewise took part of the same. In other words, Jesus, the son of God, took a fleshly, earthly body and he came to this earth. And it says, he took of the same that through death, what death? His death on the cross. It says, through that death, he might destroy. Say destroy. Say it again. And I'll say it like you mean it. So he could destroy, says, him that had the power of death. Who is that? That is the devil. So if you want to know, and look at what else it says, next verse 15, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Jesus, when he came, the war was going on, and it says he took our our shape, a human body, he came, and then he died on the cross. That death on the cross destroyed didn't just defeat, destroy Satan who is the head of the satanic kingdom, of these principalities, of these powers. And then it says that it came to make us free from that bondage. So if you want to know the status of the world, I tell you, it's going very well. I tell you, Satan is defeated. I tell you, it says he was destroyed. So now knowing that he is destroyed, even though he is defeated... It means we have a victory that is guaranteed because Jesus already won it. We now have to go down every foxhole, every rabbit hole, every place on this earth and find that those demonic beings and cast them out and tell them this is no longer your territory. This is now territory of the kingdom of God and you are receiving notice that you are to leave this place. So the war in general has been won. But now we are still fighting. We are still struggling. We're gaining territory. In fact, one of the first territories we need to gain is our own. And how do we gain it is through the ministry of deliverance. That's why deliverance is so important in the body of Christ. And when you go to a church that doesn't practice deliverance, people come. They want to worship God. They want to be in his presence, but they still have a pull from that kingdom of darkness until that is rooted out. So today we can be free from that bondage and that today we can be delivered because Jesus already overcame. So we have to understand that even though you're delivered from many areas, there is a territory that the enemy covets. This is one of the most important territories he wants to get and that is the territory of your mind. Your mind is a territory and this is a difference if you ask me between a regular or a new Christian and a mature Christian. The mature Christian knows how to control, how to know what is happening in that territory called his mind. 
You know, I went, I went recently to Africa. And there we went and we were able to see wild animals. And the wild animals, when they don't move, you can't see them. They're there and they're waiting for the right moment to pounce at another animal. And you know which are the animals that survive? The ones that are continually like this. I looked around and I saw, oh my goodness, these, these, these impala are smart. These animals are smart. These zebras are smart. These giraffes are smart. They're looking to the left. They get a little bit of water, they look to the right. They look to the left. Those are not going to be attacked. You need to be ever vigilant in your mind. You need to be ready because the enemy wants to pounce. He wants to attack that area. But if you're always looking to the left, looking to the right, considering every thought that comes into your mind, and then you put it where it belongs, you say, this is a godly thought, and then you go forward with it. You say, this is a demonic thought. This is against the kingdom of God. Let me tell you how that works. It works because if the enemy can control your mind, can control a thought pattern, what do you mean mind control? No, I mean he can put a thought in your mind and you agree with it and you believe it and you walk with it. Then you will be bound. Your actions will now go according to what you think even though they're against the kingdom of God. There are so many people in the world that believe that they are sick because God sent them a sickness. They believe they have cancer because God sent them a sickness. They believe, God, they're dying because God sent them sickness. Where did that come from? It came because the enemy was successful in implanting a thought in their mind, invaded that territory, and instead of defending that territory, see, here's where maturity comes in. When you're mature, you're watching your territory. When you're mature and a thought comes to you, you're not just letting it gonna come in there. At that point, you discern and you cut it off. But those that are not, they say, oh my goodness, God sent me this. And once you are convinced that God sent you that, you stop fighting. You stop resisting. And the enemy says, I've got the victory. I don't have to do anything. He's already working, working for me against God to be healed, to not be healed. So when the enemy affects your mind, he is opening up a whole territory. This is why this is so important. If Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as you think, as your thought patterns come, so you will act. So you will be. That will manifest in your life. This is why this is one of the most coveted territories for the enemy. And this is the one that you need to protect. In fact, we read Ephesians 6.12. We didn't read 6.13, and I'm not going to read it. But right after that, it speaks about the armor of God. And it says that you have to put on a helmet of salvation to cover your head, to protect your mind from what the enemy is going to bring. So if we continue on, we see that how does the enemy attack your mind? How does the battle of the mind occur? For that, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3 to 5 is going to show us what happens in the mind, how the enemy works, and what we are to do. So it says, for though we walk in the flesh, again, we walk with the human body, we walk on earth. It says, we do not war after the flesh. And this is a problem with many Christians. Again, speaking about spiritual warfare, it says you don't war after the flesh. You don't fight after the flesh. You have to fight in the spirit realm. How do you do it? It says the weapons of our warfare. Say, I have weapons. And today you're going to use those weapons to break anything the enemy may have put in your mind. They are not carnal. In other words, they are not human flesh. They are not natural. They are supernatural. And they are given by God, it says, for pulling down of strongholds. Can you say strongholds? strongholds. Pulling down of strongholds. Next verse. Casting down imagination. Say imaginations. Imagination. Say, I must cast down. What kind of imaginations? Demonic imaginations. In fact, God has given us an imagination which is part of Him, His creativity. Just go outside, look at anything, anything God has made. There is such an amazing creativity. Imagination of God is above and beyond. And He has given us a little piece of that in our imagination. But the problem is, are we going to use it for God or are we going to let the enemy play with our imagination? That's why it says you need to cast down imagination. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God 
and bring it to captivity. Say captivity. You see, it's a war. You have to bring it to captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, so now we see that there is a spiritual battle. It's happening in our minds, and it's going and it's working through our minds, but we have spiritual weapons that God has given us. First of all, what are imaginations? When it speaks about imagination, another way to translate it is arguments. Another word is reasoning. And an argument is when someone is trying to convince you of something. You can be seated right there, and all of a sudden, a thought comes into you that's not yours. It's not yours, and it's not of God. And that thought is against what God wants. In fact, the enemy can bring a thought. Maybe he brought it this morning. Don't go to church. Apostles in Bolivia. I have had people come, and they said, I wasn't going to come tonight. But they came, and that very service, God healed them. That very service, God delivered them. That very service, God released a prophetic word. So you got to be in the right place. Tell your neighbor, you're in the right place this morning. You are in the right place this morning. So the enemy throws a thought. And he throws it at you. He wants to develop something. He wants to work and he wants to give you an argument. You just say, oh no, I don't know. He's going to try to argue. He's going to try to convince you. He's going to try to reason with you as to why this is so. So these arguments, these reasonings, the enemy starts to work in your mind. And you start to play with them. And you start to work with them. These are satanic arguments. And they work with what? With the fallen human reason. And let me just give you a quick example. Somebody, people say, well, if God is so good, how come there's evil in the world? That's a satanic argument. Come on, you heard that. You heard that. People say, if God is so good, how come there is evil in the world? Well, let me, let's, let's just look at this now for a moment. There's three characters involved. God and his kingdom. Satan and his kingdom. And humanity. Out of those three, only one is good. <laughs> only one has no evil to it. And that satanic argument is trying to use people to argue against the only innocent party. Now, the sad thing is, how does he work? Satan is evil. Humanity is in rebellion against God. Why is there evil in the world? Because God works through people who yield themselves to him. People who give themselves voluntarily to him and say, Lord, you can use me. People who say, I renounce to my life and I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I get translated from that kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. But how does the kingdom of Satan work? Satan doesn't go and cause a poverty directly. No, he speaks to people who yield themselves to him, who speak what he does. Why is your evil? Why are little kids being raped some other part of the world? Because they're human beings in rebellion to the one who is good, in rebellion to the one who everything he does is good, in rebellion and in connection with the kingdom of darkness and rapes the kid. And people say, if God is so good, please, that's a demonic argument. That's a satanic argument. I can go on a whole list. All Christians are hypocrites. That is a demonic argument. That is a satanic argument. I, all pastors are, are thieves. That's a demonic argument. That's a satanic argument because he doesn't want you to be Christian. He doesn't want you to come to church. He doesn't want you to give an offering. He doesn't want to give you a tithe. And the enemy thinks if I can work with their mind, if I can make them think this way, if I can make them think God is evil, they're not going to go. They're not going to come out of... The satanic kingdom. So the enemy works with the mind. And he puts arguments. Many of your family members, if they're not Christian, you will detect when they speak satanic arguments. Coming at you. But you've got that helmet of salvation. Jesus Christ, the helmet of salvation. So imagination. God has given us imagination. But the enemy wants to work with your imagination. What does he want to do? He wants it to turn into fear. He wants it to turn into the things of the enemy. In fact, fear is the satanic imagination being released in your mind. For example, your kids are late. The first thought is, oh my goodness, they had an accident. 
Oh my goodness, they died. Oh my goodness, this has happened to them. That's the first thought that comes into your head. That's fear. Now when that happens, you can do two things. You can receive it or you can reject it. And you say, there is a divine protection of the blood of Jesus over my house, over my family. It is impenetrable. The enemy cannot penetrate. And then your kid comes and you say, what happened? They say, oh, my phone battery went dead or some, some little excuse like that, that it was not what you were thinking. So the enemy wants to work in your imagination because the imagination is unlimited. You can continue to think this, 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 and you make it worse and worse and worse. And then when it comes to real life, you see it was nothing like it. It was none of that. But now God wants to work with your imagination. They say, oh, you feel, you feel bad. You feel strange. You got some condition. You go to the doctors. They start to work on your imagination. Oh, my goodness, you're going to die. Oh, my goodness, you got this sickness. Oh, my goodness, this is going to happen. The doctor then starts to give you reasons. It gives you arguments as to why you are sick. But now you say, okay, that's carnal. That's human. That is so bad. But I'm not going to war according to the flesh because the weapons that I have are not carnal. The weapons that I have are mighty. They go above and beyond. They're supernatural. They're in the spirit. And I'm going to declare what is true. The devil says you're going to die, but God says you're going to live. He says that you are sick, but he says by his stripes you are healed. So now what are you going to do? Are you going to receive that imagination? Are you going to let it work in your mind or are you going to fight for it? There are many people that believe the enemy has, has convinced them that poverty is from God. Let me tell you, if you've been to a poor country, you know there's no way poverty can be from God. There's no way God wants people to be starving. No way God wants children not to have anything to eat. Poverty is not from God. He is all good. How can he possibly want people to starve to death? No. What does he want? He wants you to have abundance. He wants you to have of his generosity that you can have in your life so that you can be generous as well. So that you have to give others. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap? I hope some people are being set free from strongholds the enemy has on them. Today we live in a time that is everybody's opinion. Everything goes. When you reject God, when you reject Him as a moral authority, you have no anchor. You can believe this today. You can believe that tomorrow. You can believe the other next year. You can believe that what you used to believe, now you don't believe. But if you have your faith anchored in God, what He said is true yesterday, today, forever. It never changed. Doesn't matter what generation, doesn't matter what country you go to, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, doesn't matter where you were born. What God says is, was, and always shall be true. So if you are in the agreement with what God says, you will always be right. People say it's old-fashioned to think that way. No, no, no. God is never old-fashioned. He is always in the present. He is always in the now. He is always right. So if you want to be right, then you need to stand for what God says. Now, people will say you're wrong. They'll give you satanic arguments. But you will see the fruit of it manifested in your life. So the enemy comes and he brings that imagination. He doesn't want you to use the imagination of God. Oh, Lord, I, the enemy wants to think you are no good. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything. But God says, if you will yield yourself, I can use you in a mighty way. I can use you to do miracles. I can use you to change atmosphere. I can use you to change this world. People want to change the world. Let me tell you the most powerful way to change the world is in the kingdom of God. It's through prayer. It's through giving. It's through seeking. It's to asking the one thing God wants. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Wherever you establish his kingdom, wherever you establish his will, there you will see blessing. There you will see prosperity. There you will see peace. 
So we see the enemy brings, he wants to work with your imagination. Well, why don't you open up your imagination? What can God do with you right now? Okay, this, this right now is a moment of the spirit. Right now, take any limitation off. What can God do with you? Where can he take you? What can he use you for? Whatever you're thinking is too small. Whatever you're thinking is not enough. He knows the plans he has for you. They are better plans. They are plans to prosper you. They are plans to give you life. So whatever you're thinking, use your imagination of God. God can use me to heal. God can use me to deliver others. God can use me to save my family. God can use me to transform my school. God can use me for this or that. God can use you. God can use you. God can use you. God can use you. But break free from everything the enemy says you can't do it. The enemy says you're no good. People who were told when they were little, you'll never amount to anything. 40 years later, that became a stronghold in your mind. And today you still struggle and you think you can't do anything. I can't even be a house of peace leader. Yes, you can. I cannot be a man. Yes, you can. I don't have the ability to speak. God will give it to you the moment you take a step. I never healed anybody. The moment you pray, God will touch the person. But you got to let him use you. So the enemy puts, a, puts that pattern of thinking. He puts a thought. And then what is a mental stronghold? The mental str a stronghold is a fortress. is a place that is protected and is defended. A mental stronghold is when the enemy has brought negative thoughts that have so become a part of you that now you, they are defended. This is a place from which the enemy can attack you in your way of thinking and in your life. In other words, you lost that territory. The enemy has gained the stronghold in you. He won that territory. But the good thing is, it says that our weapons are not carnal and they are mighty to break down strongholds. Say, I'm going to break down. I'm going to break down strongholds in my mind. Strongholds in my life. Every, every stronghold that you break is going to release you into a new season. It's going to release you into a new level of blessing. Into a new level of freedom. So what is the cycle the enemy uses? First of all, he brings a thought to your mind. And that's what he throws. For example, maybe your father died young. Maybe there's an illness in your family that is running through. The enemy says, they got it, you're going to get it. Now if you're in the kingdom of darkness, watch out. But if Jesus Christ is your Lord, you have broken with that. And now you can tell him, no, maybe that was my ancestry before, but now I have a blood-washed ancestry in Jesus, and it is delivered, and you break that off of you. And you know what? It's not going to happen to you. But the enemy wants you to think that it will happen to you. He brings a thought to you. And then when he brings a thought, it's going to be a suggestion. It's going to be a seed that he puts in, and he is hoping it will become a tree in your life. It'll be something, you know, when the seed falls, you can just wipe it out and it goes away. And let me tell you, you can't stop the enemy from putting a thought in your mind. It's like you can say, there's birds that are flying around. Maybe you can't stop one from coming up on your head, but you certainly can stop it from making a nest. Don't let the enemy make a nest in your mind. Whenever it comes out, they say, hey, what is this thing in my head? You say, come out of there. Get out of there. Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you a secret in spiritual warfare. One of the things I learned is that the, sometimes there's some battles you fight, but sometimes the moment I have identified the enemy working in my life, the moment I identified it, and he usually comes by trying to make me think that it would make me more holy to do this or that or whatever, when he comes. But when I identify him and I say, I got you, and I declare it, immediately it breaks. Immediately it stops. Immediately. So if you just identify it, you've already won half the battle there. So we see that the, the enemy comes with a thought, a seed. He wants you to quit. In fact, let me give you an example. I remember there was a period of time that everybody was saying, I'm tired. How are you doing? I'm tired. How are you doing? I'm tired. And one day I was at work, and I'm going down the stairs... First of all, if you're going down the stairs, you're not taking the elevator, it means you're not tired. But a thought comes in my mind as I'm walking down the stairs. 
And the thought, guess what it said? I'm tired. Come on, come on, come on. I'm tired. But immediately I caught it. I said, wait a second. I'm not tired. And I said, I'm not tired. And I go down the stairs. And then where I go, people say, are you tired? I came to church and they asked me, are you tired? I said, no, I'm not tired. No, I am strengthened. No, I am strong. If you ask me today, are you tired? No, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm full of energy. I'm full of strength. I'm full of life. So the enemy's been telling you you're tired. Get off of that. You're not tired. The Lord didn't make you to be tired and doing nothing. When I'm an old, old, old man, I'm not going to be tired. Tell your neighbor, I'm not tired. Tell your neighbor, I'm not falling asleep. The thought came, you are tired. If I said, you know, I am tired. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do my house of peace. I don't want to deal with the discipleship. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to stay home. I'm just going to watch TV. No. Identify it. Say, I have to identify it. So then when he brings that thought, the enemy has spoken to you many times that you ought to quit. Of course, what's he going to try to do? He doesn't want you to continue. You're being a threat to him. You're being a threat when you pray, when you pray for your children, when you pray for your family, when you pray for your neighborhood. You're a threat. Every time you have a house of peace, you're a threat to the enemy. Everywhere you go, you are a threat. You know, when he goes by your house, he says, uh, let me not mess with this one because whenever I go here, I'm going to get beat up. So I'm going to go to that one. I'm going to go to that one. But when I go there, I'm not going to go there. That thought that came in, what is the pattern? It comes to you. Now the question is, what will you do with it? Will you accept it or will you reject it? So what do you have to do? Is it exalting itself against God? Is it against Jesus Christ? I need to take that thought and cast it down. I need to take it captive. I need to say, you get out of here. I will not receive this. This, why is, this is why it's so important for you to know what God says about things. That way, whenever you see, you see the, you know, when you, if you know what a, a real hundred dollar bill comes is, when you see the fake one, you say, there's something funny about this one. I don't know. It doesn't feel the same. I'm not an expert. It doesn't look the same. I don't know, but it doesn't look right. So when you know the truth, then you can identify the lie. When you don't know the truth, you'll drink the Kool-Aid. So when that thought comes and you accept it, it becomes established. What does it mean established? Now it is a part of your thinking. Now you agree with it. Now you develop habits based on this way of thinking. And so you continue with this. Uh, for example, you might say, I will always be poor. The thought came, you received it. And now you always think as a poor person. You say, no, I can't do this because we don't have enough. No, I can't do this because we're not going to. I can't give because I don't have enough money. And you know what's going to happen? You're not going to have enough money. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be poor. But if you ask me, is that the will of God for your life? No, it isn't. So what do you have to do? You have to cast that down. You have to take that off. And then you can receive what God says is what he wants for you. So there are many thoughts. Nobody loves me. There are people who think nobody loves them. Hello, God says he gave his only son for you. How much more love do you want? So people think nobody loves me. And they commit suicide. They receive the thought. It came to their mind. It became part of their thought process. They received it. And then it went to the next step. It became a stronghold. Which now you say, no, but I love you. They say, no, 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 nobody loves me. See, now when you try to go against it, they defend that thought. They guard it. It's established in their mind. They've decided this is the way it is. And no matter how much you say it, they won't receive it. They won't believe it. 
Because they now say they defend the enemy's position. So the enemy has taken a territory and then they commit suicide. That is never the will of God for anybody. I've heard of even Christian people who have struggled with this and have committed suicide. How can this be? This is not the will of God. This is not what he wanted for you. This is not what he wants for us. Yet people have done it. When that becomes a stronghold, you won't change your mind. What do you need? You need a spiritual weapon. You need to cast it down. You need to get rid of it. And having, having the stronghold can lead to what the Bible calls a reprobate mind. What is that? A mind that has been corrupted. A mind that calls evil good and good evil. We are in a time that evil is called good. How can you explain someone who says... 20 seconds before a child is born, you can kill it, and it's okay. And say this is okay. This is a reprobate mind. And you know what? A great majority of this country agrees with that. And not just here, in many parts of the world. That is a reprobate mind. When you know evil, and you say it's okay, you agree with it, you don't have a problem. And finally, that reprobate mind can lead you to apostasy. I want you to see 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Apostasy means departing from the faith. When you get to the point that you call good evil and evil good, you can depart from the faith. And look, it says, now the Spirit speaks expressly, in other words, clearly, that in the latter times, in other words, the last days, the days we are living in now, some shall depart from the faith, shall go into apostasy. Why? Because they give heed... They listen to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So when the enemy brings that thought, the enemy brings that false doctrine, the enemy brings that lie, it brings people to call evil good, good evil, it makes their, their conscience be seared, means it's no longer sensitive to what is right and wrong, and they would depart from the faith. You don't want that to happen to you. So what you're going to do is you're not going to let that thought in your mind in the very first place. The moment it comes, you need to cast it out. So how do you win this battle of the mind? Do I have any strongholds? You might be wondering. Well, if God has you here, it's because this is a message for you. Out of all the things that I could have preached in the area of deliverance, this is the one that I was instructed by the Spirit of God to speak about. So in this moment, God wants to deliver you. God wants to set your mind free. God wants to break any stronghold that is in you. So what does he say? What do we have to do? First of all, you need to identify, do I have a stronghold? Do I have thoughts that I continually defend that are wrong? Do you have thoughts, if we are preaching here, apostles preaching on any area, and you find you have arguments against it. You're, you're, you're saying this is against it. You're, you're coming up with arguments. You're coming up with reasonings. Well, many of those weren't even yours to begin with. There's the enemy is feeding you, and you're letting it in. So is there a stronghold in your mind? Is there an area that you have allowed the enemy to put something in there? For example, do you feel rejected? Do you have low self-esteem? Let me tell you that if you have low self-esteem, you have to understand that God sent his best for you. How can you possibly have low self-esteem? How can you feel rejected when Jesus went to the cross to be rejected publicly, to be set naked, crucified in the worst possible death for you? How can you be rejected? There's a stronghold that needs to be broken off of you. Let me tell you, the Bible says you are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in Jesus. These strongholds the enemy has today are going to come down. Today you're going to be set free from that. So we have to discern it. Secondly, we have to confess it because those are thought patterns that are not according to God. When you confess it, you've, de you've declared, I got you. I found you out. And at that moment, you break the power of the enemy in that area. So then you repent, you repent, and then you come into agreement with the word of God. This is why it's important to come to church. This is why it's important that you come to the Bible school when it's there. Because it's going to tell you what God is saying. And that way you can break those thoughts that are, not, that are not from the kingdom. So when he gives it, you can change. You can repent. 
Then you can renounce to those errors. You say, I, I disagree with them. I'm not going to keep them. I'm going to say that they are wrong. That is a wrong thought, a wrong mindset. And then you bring, bring every thought captive to Christ. In other words, and this is the hard part, you got to be like that gazelle. You're looking to the left, you're looking to the right. You got to be like that zebra. You're looking up, you're looking down. You're looking here, you're looking there. Whenever a thought comes, you don't just become lazy and let everything come into your mind. This is the difference between a mature Christian and any other Christian. This is the difference between a Christian that has victory and any other Christian. When the thought comes, you immediately judge it. Is this a godly thought? Is this from God? Is this according to the word? Is this according to Christ? Is this according to the kingdom? Is this exalting God? I receive it. If it isn't, I'm going to immediately cast out. And you know when it's very easy? When somebody steps on your toe. Lots of thoughts come into your mind. Come on. Tell your neighbor, lead that thought captive. When somebody steps on you, the thoughts come out. At that point, you have to be sharp. You have to stop it. And you have to release a kingdom thought. In fact, somebody in the street, when you're driving, insults you. And the very first thing you want to do is, first of all, you want to get your carnal weapon. And call him another two things. And his mother too. But, you said, thank God I went to service today. I had the peace of God. And look at what happens. Thank God I went to, you put that down. And now you take a sword of the spirit. And say, Father, I bless those that curse me. You know what the devil is going to say? First of all, he's going to say, what? Come on, sister, how you do it? What? This is a Christian and didn't curse him back. What? So then he puts the thought five minutes later. He said, let me leave him alone. Puts a thought again five minutes later. And you start, I can't believe it. I just came out of church and is putting this out. Why? You start to get your, your natural weapon. But then you say, no, I was delivered from that. And then again you say, I bless him. And the devil goes, double what? And the third time, you know what the devil says? I don't want to mess with this guy because I wanted him to curse this person and it's already been two times and he's blessed him. So you know what? I'm going to go bother somebody else. He's not going to bother you anymore. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, bring every thought captive. Tell him this is a war. You have a territory in my mind and you got to defend it. Then what do you do? You renew your mind. Ephesians 4.23, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Tell your neighbor you have to renew your mind. What does that mean? Take whatever the devil put in, take it out and put what God says and put it in. Very simple. And what else do you do? You set your mind on the things above. Colossians 3.2, set your affections on the things above, not the things of the earth. The things that we see now are temporary, but the eternal kingdom of God, that is eternal. When you do this, you will grow in maturity. You will not let the enemy take territory. You will not let the enemy stop you because the enemy is after your purpose. The enemy is after your call. The enemy is after every fruit you could bear for Jesus. When you do this, you grow into maturity. You grow into another level. So God called today the congregation of those who want to be mature in him. Of those who want to grow in him. Of those who want to have a life of victory. Of those who want to keep those strongholds out. This is the worst because it's working from the inside. When you have something working from the inside, that's the worst case. When it's from the outside, you can defend. But when it's on the inside, it's very hard. So today, I want the musicians to come. Today, we're going to pray for you. What things, what strongholds can you have? You can have a stronghold that you just want to please everyone instead of pleasing God. You'll, you'll compromise 
instead of doing what God wants. You may have a stronghold that's because of a tradition, even because of religion. There's so many people bound to different religions. Even within Christianity, they have different traditions and religions that is keeping them bound. And they can be, you could be free from that. There's people that have uh, several sexual strongholds. They believe what the people are saying now. You know what God says? If you want to have a, 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 a strong uh, healthy sexual life is what God says. Have sex with your, with your spouse only. Marriage. Man, woman. God's plan. Long time ago. That's it. There's no other. There's no substitute. There's no better. That's the only way for you to be protected in the natural and in the spiritual realm. There's strongholds. Have you believed the lie of the enemy? You need to break it down. There's strongholds of unbelief, areas and things that you don't believe. There's areas of fear that paralyze you. The enemy's imaginations have worked on you. There are people with low self-esteem, people with passivity, people that have accepted sickness, depression, rejection, all of these things. But today, the Lord's going to set you free from those things. So question, have you identified any area in your life that there is a stronghold? Are you living in fear? Do you think nobody loves you? Do you feel rejected? Do you have low self-esteem? Do you think God can't use you? Do you think God doesn't love you? Do you think nobody loves you? Do you think nobody cares about you? These are strongholds that have to come down. Do you think God can't use you? Do you think God can't use you for miracles? Do you think God can't use you to bring salvation to someone? These are lies of the enemy. And today we're going to break these things down. These strongholds. That have come into your mind. The Lord wants to set you free today. So this is what we're going to do. In a minute I'm going to pray. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask. If I say a condition and that is you. I want you to stand up. Why? Because when you stand up and I pray. And you get delivered. You have to commit that you will not go back to that. You will not receive that thought again. So when you stand. You make that commitment. The next thing we're going to do is I'm going to have people in the aisles. I want the university students to please come and go by the aisles. And then as I pray, if you feel all of a sudden that you feel strange or you feel weird or you have a headache or you feel dizzy or you feel like throwing up or you feel that something isn't right, that something's been stirred in you, that's a demonic spirit fighting to stay in you. If that is you, if that happens to you, I want you to just come to the front where the ministers the, our Ephesians, our elders are going to pray for you to bring that deliverance. So I ask the Ephesians, the elders, to come up front. They will be here. So as I call the conditions, then I want you to stand. And if you feel that only, or if you feel I need someone to actually lay hands on me, then you can come to the front. But if not, you can receive it right where you are. So I want the church to just close your eyes. And I'm going to pray for you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Not now. Not now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare, Lord, that by your spirit, you start to reveal mental strongholds. I pray for those people that are watching online, those people that are here. Father, those areas that the enemy has brought a lie and they have received it and they have believed it and they have made a stronghold. I pray, Lord, that this is a day of bringing maturity to the saints. This is a day of bringing deliverance. I declare, Father, that deliverance goes to them. You're a university student. I want you in the aisles. I want you in the aisles. And when I call a condition or something that you suffer or you believe you may suffer from, I want you to stand up. And then if you feel something strange upon you, I want you to come up front. So I want everybody to, first of all, stand up, everyone. Stand up. We're going to say a prayer and we're going to renounce. Every one of us might have a stronghold in some area. And we need to break that off right now. So I want you to close your eyes and lift up your hands. If you're watching at home, do the same as well. Thank you, Lord. 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 Father, today we come before you, giving you thanks for the deliverance that we have through Jesus Christ. Through his death on the cross, Lord, we thank you that we have the victory. I want you to repeat after me and say, Father God, this day I come before you and I recognize that there are areas that I am not operating where you want me to operate. 
there is a mental stronghold operating in my life. Right now, I ask forgiveness for allowing thought patterns of this world, thought patterns of the enemy to operate in my life and to make strongholds in my life. I repent and right now I renounce to every mental stronghold. If you know what it is, call it by name. I renounce to fear. I renounce low self-esteem. I renounce self-pity. I renounce poverty. I renounce to sickness, to depression, to rejection, double-mindedness. I reject worldly thinking and I renounce to it every stronghold that blocks my life. I renounce to it and I command it to be broken by the blood of Jesus. And right now, I declare that I am freed from these strongholds and I renounce every demonic spirit that came with it to oppress me to bind me and I enter into freedom in Jesus Christ I declare I am released to my destiny and to my purpose in Jesus name now go ahead and sit down I want to ask if you're a person that you suffer from low self-esteem to remain standing. Don't be embarrassed. Everybody else just pray, close your eyes, look down, worship God. This is a time for people to be delivered. If you suffer from low self-esteem, I want you to stand up. If you suffer from self-pity, you always feel sorry for yourself. Stand up. Stand up. Today, God's going to make you free. He loves you. He sent his son for you. And you're going to be, that's going to be broken. So if you have self-pity, I want you to stand up. If you feel rejected, you feel nobody wants me. People are always judging me. I want you to stand up as well. And I'm going to pray for you now. And as I pray, if you feel strange, if you feel like you're going to throw up, you have a headache or something, then come to the front. If not, you'll be delivered right there where you are. So go ahead and raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you, Father, right now. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every spirit of self-pity. In the name of Jesus, spirit of slow self-esteem. Right now, I take authority on those watching online, on those that are here. Spirit of self-pity, spirit of self-esteem, spirit of rejection. At the count of three, I command you to let them go. I break those strongholds. I break the stronghold of rejection. I break the stronghold of self-pity. I break that stronghold of the enemy of low self-esteem. And at the count of three, I command those demonic spirits to let you go. To let you go in their mind. To let you go in that stronghold. One, two, three. Go now. I command the demonic spirit to go. Spirit of rejection, go. Come out of them. Come out of them. Church praying tongues, come out of them. Come out of them now. Come out of them now. Come out of them now. 